Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. Welcome, as Justin said, to our wonderful show. And Justin, I'm going to let you have the honor of introducing our guest today. Yes, we have uh, my buddy Hayato Mitsuishi. How's it going? Hi. Hello, hello. So Hayato and I met because he used to run a Japanese film festival here in Los Angeles. And so we connected on LinkedIn and then we met up for coffee and some delicious tacos on my side and uh, <laughs> really nice guy. So I said, hey, let's get him on the show. So uh, we're excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And so before we jump in, we always do a, a quick, what have we been watching and listening to, reading, whatever. So if you've been watching a show or something and think about it, well, we quickly share. Uh, I might have mentioned this one before. I don't know. I probably have. But I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, the Wu-Tang uh, Saga of America, uh, basically I'm I'm in that zone where I kind of every time a new episode drops, I go to it right away and watch it. Uh-huh. So having a lot of fun with the Wu Tang uh, Wu Tang Clan hanging out with me. Oh, cool! <laughs> I should check it out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Oh, I want to I want to go back one second. Coffee and tacos. Yeah, I mean it was a coffee <laughs> place, and they also had food, and so I ordered some delicious tacos. It wasn't okay. like that's their specialty. That'd be funny. Welcome to coffee and tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and honestly, that does sound like a very LA type of thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, while I while I let that one uh, simmer in my head, um, I let's see. What have I been watching? Um, last week I was traveling, so I really didn't get a chance to watch much. And uh, the movies that were on the plane, I'd already seen most of them, so I didn't really feel the need to watch them again. But um, I did finish uh, watching uh, Squid Game on Netflix. I thought it was very interesting. We can talk about that in a little bit. And also because I'm working on this, uh, like an animated fantasy comedy uh, script. So I wanted to kind of, I've been watching a lot more, a few more animated movies to kind of like see like how did they do it and also been reading the script. And I know I just watched it last year after it came out on Netflix, but I went back to um, the Millers versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. because I remember it being really good. And I also liked, it was also, not only was it a good animated movie, but I really liked uh, the emotional um, you know, aspects of the story, especially the father-daughter relationship and how that all factored into it and everything. And just like what the writers did to like, kind of like not just sell the humor, but also to sell, you could see the emotion between the family and, and all of the relationships. And I just thought it was done very well, very well. And so I've kind of just, you know, just went back to watch it as a more of an educational type of thing. Awesome. Cool. So how about you, Hatter? Have you seen anything cool that you like lately? Uh, sure. I uh, The movie I saw, Dune, which I oh, liked yeah. a lot. And Dune was pretty cool. Um, the Bond movie. Uh, we got okay. Bond. And um, uh, for TV, I, I, I'm watching The Blacklist right now. Okay. Uh, almost uh, finished with that one. And nice. and the Squid Games, yeah. For sure. So Dune is actually, uh, me and my wife and saw that. That was uh, very cinematic. Uh-huh. Uh, she was quite bored, though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I actually, my movie theater next to me started a new thing, or maybe all Regals, I guess, probably. Uh, Tuesdays are half off price, something like that. So it's like oh. six fifty for a ticket. It's like crazy. So I think I'm going to start hitting up the movie theater every Tuesday. Although they also have that $20 a month thing for unlimited movies. So if I really wanted to go crazy, but I got to get work done, right? <laughs> Is it like AM- AMC? AMC uh, premiere thing? This one's Regal. Uh, oh, okay. Similar idea though. Yeah. Got it. So they're all doing that, I guess, nowadays. But it's like, well, how do you balance working and yeah. all that stuff, right? I do have a quick question for both of you. Okay, so you both saw Dune. Did you both see it uh, in the theaters? And the yes. follow-up. 
The follow-up yeah. is, is that the way you, you recommend seeing it? Because I know it's also playing on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you think? It's better, it's better to, go to see, go to see it in the theaters? Um, I'm old school, so yes, theater, <laughs> for sure. Okay. 100%. Okay. I would argue that I would have been pretty bored myself if I'd seen it at home, although my TV is pretty good quality, so maybe not. But, but seeing it in the theater, it was very cinematic, but I felt very... I was somewhat aligned with my wife on the board factor. Like it was a cool really? movie, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was very slow and there's not a lot of uh, emotional ups and downs. It's pretty much all one tone. It is like, it's kind of like, and then there's some action and then it's again, you know, that's <laughs> pretty much the whole movie right there. Uh, it's, something so. like, it's like two and a, it's like two and a half hours long or, th- or longer. Yeah. Something oh, like that. Yeah. Well, the movie itself, yeah. I mean, not counting the trailers and stuff in front of it. Yeah, yeah I, think I thought it was like two thirty, two thirty-five, something like that. Right, right. But I think it—I don't—I mean, I wouldn't have minded it being longer and it being a complete story. I think that's why my wife uh, felt kind of bored. Like I was comparing it with Lord of the Rings, where in Lord of the Rings, yes, it's only the first part of a story, but you have so much emotional ups and downs. You have like the hobbits laughing and dancing versus compared to that to the dark, sad moments, and like it's such a journey. Versus here, I just kind of felt like I saw the first first part of a story, and so I feel kind of unfulfilled. But I know lots of people like Hayato loved it, so. I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to, to finish their experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no. had, I hadn't I hadn't realized uh, like I, I I was I'm going to see it either way, but I hadn't realized before it was released that this was only the first half of the story. I thought it was like oh two and a half hours yeah. that's not too bad. And like then I really, then I keep seeing all these people like what they're kind of now this is only the first half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. So let's uh yeah oh well so you, so we we've all seen squid games now that's exciting squid game and that's mm-hmm. exciting and uh we did we were chatting about that briefly before we came on so uh the the question had been related to the money you know i guess they made it for like five million or something and they sold it to netflix for 20 million and then netflix claims it's brought in like 900 million or something right so i was asking around about what that really means like does the company get any kind of added bonus and i saw the the, the creator uh, complaining that he hadn't seen any kind of bonuses from that, which is <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, thoughts? that does that does that does raise the question: like, how does Netflix say, like, oh yeah, this made us nine hundred million dollars? Like, what what are they gauging that against? How does how do they fi- figure that out? Is it mm-hmm. like how many times, like, do they get a certain percentage of kickback from how many times someone watches an episode? Because they they just didn't they say like uh, it's been watched like over three billion times or something so far. Yeah, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, yeah. Oh, I asked around town, and basically most people are like, "There's no way that really made that much." And or, mm-hmm. uh, of course, they're not going to give a, any bonuses to the creator or the people they bought it from because they bought it from them for this purpose. Right, so, right, right. It's not in the contract. Well I, think, well, I think what's really interesting is that because you know, but when it first started to really take off, there were all these uh, memes on the internet or all these little you know signage things that said, you know, the, the guy who wrote it and directed it. You know, he spent, what, 10, 11 years trying to sell it. He was so broke. He had one, one time he had to sell his computer just, to, yeah. you know, just to stay alive. And now, you know, this huge worldwide hit. And, you know, that's really encouraging. But also, you know, it's, it's what I thought was very interesting is that, you know, we were always hearing like the, uh, you know, the industry saying, oh, we want something new. We want something totally original. And then sometimes when you present it to them, they're like, this is too new. This is too original. We don't like it. We want something at least a little familiar to it. You know, and then this comes out of nowhere and just like it just explodes. And so and now now I'm sure there's like every production company, every streamer is like, we need the next Squid Game or, you know, we need the next Tiger King. We want something just like that, but totally different. 
And then, you know, I have a feeling we're going to see like just a slew of copycats over like the next six months to a year. But yeah. I, they won't they won't do as well because everyone's like, well, you're just ripping off Squid Game again. Well, Hayato probably can speak to the amount of Japanese shows and movies that are basically the same exact concept as Squid Game, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, going back to Squid Game, um, I, the 900 million, it's probably definitely not, uh, you know, it could be, I don't know, if they have the uh, merchandising rights or everyone's doing Halloween and stuff, so maybe it's mm-hmm. that or because, uh, you know, they don't get anything from viewers watching unless there's new subscribers, so... Um, I, I agree. I wonder what that 900 million came from. Um, and uh, also, you know, uh, I, I've heard that Netflix, you know, one of their big strategies was local production that appeals to a wide audience, right? So uh, they will do a local production. So this was a Korean local production, but at the same time, they wanted it every, even the ones in Japan or, you know, other countries for local. Of course, it's for local, but they want like a high concept so that it will travel around the world and other people can enjoy it. So mm-hmm. uh, they probably didn't think it was going to be this big of a hit, but um, uh, I, I heard that's their concept. So even, and, and plus, I think it's uh, right now, it's probably pure algorithm. Uh, maybe they do yeah. push some of it, but. Uh, it, it's you know it, it came from nowhere because everyone kept on watching and watching and it kept on going up the ranks and then if it's number one people are going to watch that so that probably amplified it as well so um, now it's no longer number one and there's a new one coming out so I think it you know right now it, it really depends on the content and before there's this thing called I think the three inch uh, wall which is which means the subtitles right like Americans for example would never watch things with subtitles that's changed a lot and because Netflix is so diverse and you can kind of choose any content you kind of want. Um, and also, I guess this generation, they're kind of used to watching foreign films. If that's no longer a problem, then I think it, there's way more opportunities for like foreign film to, uh, to be consumed by um, mm-hmm. the world, not only Americans. And there's so many great ones out there. But I guess before we dive into that, uh, did you want to give us a quick uh, your version of who you are? Oh, sure. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot. It's my fault. <laughs> uh, no problem. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so th- thank you for having me. My name is Hayato Mitsuishi. I am a uh, film producer. Um, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. I went to uh, New York for high school, uh, then Japan for college, and I worked there for a while in the environmental industry. And then I wanted to get into entertainment, so I um, came to LA uh, to get my MBA uh, because I wanted to kind of crack in the industry through, uh, from the business side, but my passion is more creative. So from the business side, I'm slowly inching towards uh, creative producing. Um, also, uh, I used to run a Japanese film festival called LA Ega Fest for um, five years where we would showcase um, Japanese films that we believe cater towards the American audience. So that was the main theme. Uh, and we bring uh, stars from Japan and introduce them to the community here. Um, so I uh, did that for five years. Um, and then after that, I decided I really wanted to make film, not just show them. So I um, stopped the film festival and just started um, producing. And I do a lot of stuff with Japan, um, so a lot of my films involve either Japanese directors or cast or um, or, or script or um, things of that nature. Really cool, really cool. And so I'm sure you have plenty of um, thoughts on what some good foreign films are for Americans, especially in the Japanese side. But um, uh, also you went to Keio, right? Yes. Keio. <laughs> that was my study abroad experience. Uh, my yes. first time was at Keio, so. Uh, another way we connected but uh, yeah, yeah we... so 
Paul, did you want to hop in here? I've, I've had a whole coffee with uh, Hayato, so I can just go <laughs> and follow up on that. But if you wanted to start off, feel free. Well, because uh, well, when Justin first told me about you, he said that they were very involved in film festivals. Um, I mean, so what, what was your experience, in, uh, your experience running it? Because, I mean, I've heard other film, fe film festival organizers talk about it, and I guess it depends on, like, especially what genre, like I've heard horror film festival uh, organizers talk about, and they say, like, when we make the announcement, like, now accepting submissions, they just get bombarded with material, and, and they talk about, like, how how long a process it is for them to go through all of the submissions like and like so what is like that like for you and then the follow-up question is like how do you determine what you include in the festival or you don't like are there certain criteria are there things like okay we will have this kind of stuff but we will never have this kind of stuff so yeah like how do you address you know addressing all the material sure yeah th that is a great question uh, material uh, you know, going through all the material is definitely, um, you know, uh, a, a thing, I guess, all film festivals, especially if you're getting a lot of submissions, I uh, need to go through. So in our case, um, you know, we had a few criteria that had to be within, uh, created within a year uh, or two, I think, uh, uh, from the festival, festival um, screening date. Uh, also had to be an LA premiere. Also the concept something had to be Japanese. For example, the concept does, you know, something to do with Japan. The, you know, the, the main actor is Japanese or the um, director is Japanese or something Japan related. Uh, but we still had a lot of submissions. So we did have a team um, where we had everyone, you know, break it into different blocks and people, you know, watch um, a certain number of films and uh, grade it based on different criteria. And then, you know, the top whatever, um, you know, uh, we'd go through the the um, staff and uh, other um, directors will go through and, and finally pick. Um, but the like the big premieres, uh, for example, um, would be um, um, things that, for example, so the premiere is a big red carpet premiere on opening night. That one had other criteria. For example, it had to be a pretty big film in Japan or, you know, the cast could come. Either the cast or the director could come. So that really narrows it down. So uh, it wouldn't, we wouldn't know until last minute. So that was the most, um, uh, um, I guess, stressful part because uh, one time we had, you know, Ken Watanabe come, uh, but, you know, he, 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 well, I don't know. He, um, you know, he didn't know if he could make it to the red carpet until the day before. So that's when we announced that Ken Watanabe will be uh, walking the red carpet, for example. Um, so, um, but, you know, we wanted to do a big, for us, we wanted to uh, make it like a big film festival feel instead of a very small independent, just because we're dealing with Japan. So we want, even if it's a big film in Japan, in the U.S., it's not that big. Um, so no one really knows about it. So we wanted to at least have that feel of at least bringing in big Japanese films. But for submissions, uh, so we had two. We had uh, we were showing um, Temple films in Japan here, and we also had submissions um, so from independent film directors. So that was kind of how uh, we did our film festival. That's great. That's great. So, I mean, where, I mean, I guess if you go into a little more detail about like how, how do you warrant or how do you decide we're going to include this film and where this one, you know, this one's a yes, this one's a no. Sure. I mean, just so, cause I, I find, I find the whole process just fascinating. Like, like, you know, what, what is the mindset? You know, how do you figure things out? 
Right. So it's very subjective, right? It depends on. So we do have some criteria about, you know, cinematic or overall um, the acting. And since ours, uh, what we if it's, you know, basically something Japan related, it, it's just if we if we think it's good and uh, it's, it's just if we think the American audience would find it uh, fun to watch or interesting to watch. Is it not too slow? Is it not too artsy yeah, for the general American audience? So, um but yeah, that part is very subjective. We just have different. Mm-hmm. Also, we, we wanted to look at it from American's perspective. So we had a lot of um, non-Japanese people watch it. And mm-hmm. uh, because we we're kind of biased, right? We were Japanese. So we had a lot of non-Japanese uh, st- uh, volunteers watch it as well. And they would grade it. Rate it. Uh, have you have you ever had, uh, we'll, we'll stick with, I guess, a feature-length film. Did you ever have a film that you put into a festival and you thought, oh, yeah, this is a good one. You know, we hope people like it. Then all of a sudden, like, you had a totally unexpected reaction. Like, oh, my God, this this got such a you know, positive reaction. Like, oh, or, oh, my God, I can't believe people hated this with such a, a vengeance. Right. Uh, well, actually, I had the opposite where we thought, oh, this, um, this is probably too boring for the American audience. of human drama. Um, but I really liked it personally. And I thought, oh, let's put it in anyway because, um, it, you know, it, it's kind of a um, slow type of um you know as you say it's not an emotional roller coaster um but um mm-hmm. it, you know it, it but it deals with you know a single parent uh, a father and the relationship with this uh daughter um but that kind of got the audience award i was really surprised so you know that, that got the audience work throughout the whole festival um and so you know the american audience uh really really um loved it to my surprise to my pleasant surprise i thought it'd be too slow i thought you know they'd want more high-paced mm-hmm. um something but i was wrong no no do you hold the festival in los angeles yes oh i held it in different theaters um you know the chinese theater the egyptian theater um okay and then la live at the regal theater was our last one our final one the fifth one what would you say was the uh i guess the percentages for the audience love like uh um, Asian, non-Asian audience, and also you know, Japanese-speaking and non-Japanese-speaking audience members. Right. So our whole goal was to really um, showcase it to the general American audience, uh, meaning okay. um, you know non-Japanese um, from Japan. So um, sure. uh, so a lot of you know kind of these um, uh, what do you call it? These um, country-specific film festivals. Uh, normally, uh, the audiences are people from that country, right? But Regarding Japanese cinema, I guess, you know, it's from anime or we have long, you know, there are Kurosawa fans. And um, I was really uh, pleasantly surprised to see that uh, there, there are more Americans and other nationalities than Japanese. So Japanese would be maybe, I don't know, 30% maybe. Actually, it went it went smaller. It was a larger number and then, then the percentage kept on going smaller. And we had more American, more international uh, people come. So I'd say about 20 to 30 were Japanese, and the rest were um, non. Cool. Yeah. Great. Do you have any thoughts on, I'm, I know, I imagine running a film festival would be insane, but do you have any uh, guidance for somebody who's like, I'm going to set up my own film festival? Yeah, so um, definitely... I don't know, it, you know, it depends, but, um, you know, I kind of started big, but you might want to start small and uh, sponsors. You definitely need to know about, uh, I guess, money, right? The money, how are you going to get sponsors and um, also, I guess, uh, volunteers, staff members, because my case, uh, a lot of volunteers went back to Japan, for example, or staff members went back to Japan. So 
um, it kind of rotate. We have some people who stay, some people who, who change. So a really stable, um, I guess, team, and also make sure you're very um, strict with, uh, with your numbers is what I would say. There we go. Cool. And so going back to this idea of we were talking about Squid Game and being original and stuff and, uh, you know, it has similarities to Hunger Game, but uh, I, I know of a few Japanese ones as well. But do you have any thoughts on that, including manga and other stories that have very similar uh, concepts? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Battle Royale, I don't know if you know, that's a very similar concept as well. Um, Love where... Battle Royale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, there, but, you know, there are, I think, you know, concepts, there are a lot of concepts that are similar, right? You say, oh, I, I, I saw that before, but there are, you know, these, I guess, um, the de devil is in the details, um, yep, yep. where um, I, I can't really analyze it, but I, I think that's, even if they are similar, it, it was well done. And also maybe the times, you know, um, Korean, Korean, you know, TV shows, right? It's, it's kind of a big time for them. Um, yeah. And also, um yeah, a lot of relatable facts. The characters were, were great. The acting was great. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a, it's a mix, right? It, just because the concept's the same, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a hit. But in this time, a lot of different things worked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My buddy sent me a list of like twenty shows that were like the same concept, uh -huh. and and I agree, it's very much about the characters and how, and that's the journey. That's always what it's about, right? The emotional journey of yeah. the main characters, and that. They did a great job on this one. I streamed it all through. And then uh, they have a new show that everybody's loving right now called My Name, I think. And everybody's loving that one. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, going back to like Japanese shows, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Alice in Borderland, mm -hmm. which is based on a manga. Uh, I love mm -hmm. the characters. Um, it, it's fun, too, because they do that that silly thing where they, well, it's, it's actually not a trans actress, I guess, but like they have the actress, spoiler, and uh, she's <laughs> cool, she's hot. And, and then you find out that she's uh, trans. Mm -hmm. And and so it's, it's it's cool how they're incorporating these aspects in there. It would have been better if they'd actually used a trans actress, of course. But um, anyway, great show mm -hmm. with great characters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was I was also I don't know if you have much thoughts on um, animation, but since we're on the topic of mm -hmm. uh, Japan, um, yeah. one of my big goals in life is to bring my kids over there to check out the um, the Studio Ghibli. I don't know if you mm -hmm. call it a museum or what you call it, but mm -hmm. are you familiar with that whole market and? What's going on in there? Yeah, um, so anime, uh, there's like, it's a whole spectrum, right? We have ones geared more towards adult, uh, for the, one for the children, one's general, uh, one kind of, um, it's for children, but it might have a underground message, mm -hmm. underlying message. So it's very, very um, vast. Some are, you know, based on manga, which is like Japanese comic books. Some are made for film, mm -hmm. um, so like Ghibli films, right? They're, they're made for uh, feature as a feature film they're not based on a tv series or a manga or anything um and yeah a lot of times we have a you know underlying message even if uh um it looks pleasing to the eye and for kids you know easy to watch sometimes they will have a deep underlying message ghibli always has that right like nature and you know earth yeah. and all that stuff so um yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a a lot of people who are interested in Japanese culture started from anime and manga. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, and I was reading about Miyazaki uh, and how he, some some of his uh, like political I don't know if you call them political, but you know, saving the world type thoughts definitely play through and mm -hmm. are inspirations for some of his stories. So yes, that's cool that you bring that up. 
Um, that's mostly what I was going to hint at was, yeah, about the idea that they're, they're made for everyone and they just resonate so well with adults and children. And um, I showed my kids finally uh, Totoro and they mm -hmm. were all very much in love with it. And so it's mm -hmm. exciting <laughs> to see this, how the world cinema is all taking over. I remember when I was a kid, so like this, you know, it was all VHS. You had to go to find the Japanese movie store to be able to rent these things. And now it's streaming on every platform. And, you know, HBO has like all the, do you say Ghibli, I guess? Ghibli then? Ghibli, yes, yes. Yeah, so they have all the Ghibli films on hbo max which is awesome yes uh, it's a great world we live in <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so what's exciting for you next what are you uh working on or excited about um guess what right now um just just translated a uh um a japanese script into english and uh you know, she's uh, the 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 one who wrote the script. Uh, she is. Um, she, I think she just cleared the rights uh, in Japan from um, from the uh, rights holder, uh, the publishing company. So we'll see where that okay. goes. Um, yeah, and then you know, there's a bunch of other scripts and projects. But as you know, in this industry, you know, you have to kind of throw everything on the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, that's cool. All right, Paul. Anything else from you? Uh, just a couple of questions. I mean, like a lot of people have seen the Miyazaki films. Uh, so, you know, what would you recommend, like for someone who is not that familiar with Japanese cinema, I mean, are there some like live action films you'd recommend or even even a couple of anime features that you think oh, yeah, this would be a good place for you to start, you know, and this, you know, this can open your eyes to a whole other world or open up a whole, you know, whole new set of uh, films for you to explore? Um, even just one or two? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, I I I would say number one, yeah, the Ghibli films for sure, um, okay. because that has an international audience and it's really um, fun to watch, and I think it has an international appeal. Other ones are, um, I guess, of classic the Akira Kurosawa films, like you know, Seven Samurai, and mm -hmm. um, all those would be a pretty pretty cool. I think I think starting point. Um, other ones are, you know, it, it's kind of, I guess you just look at Netflix, right? Like Naked Director, for example, it's, uh, it, it's not geared towards children, but it's a very interesting concept where in the 80s, there's huge, you know, adult video director, um, mm -hmm. and it's about his story. And um, it's very uniquely Japanese, but at the same time, um, I think it's pretty fascinating, um, even for you know American audiences to watch. But that's another extreme from Ghibli. <laughs> so sure, you have sure. a spectrum, and um, uh, yeah, I just, I just, you know, it just depends on, I guess, what your taste is. But um, yeah, okay. I think Akira okay. Kurosawa is a good place to start. Okay, so and just a quick follow-up question. I mean, I'm I'm more familiar with like you know classic Japanese cinema. Yeah, I've seen Kurosawa films and and those. Uh, of those genre is there some like is there a movie that you'd recommend that kind of like does a really good job of kind of presenting with what we, we could call modern day modern day japan i mean it doesn't it doesn't have to be like a specific genre but i mean it, it could be you know i don't know action or even even like a gangster film to know the yakuza you know, still kind of popular i mean even even like a silly rom-com type of thing yeah um I don't know the English term. I don't even know if they have it in English, but uh, there's a series called Gokudo no Tsuma, which just means um, uh, the wise of the Yakuza. Oh, Gokudo okay. is a way of the Yakuza. And um, it, it, it's a very real, I think it's a series, but um, yeah, it, 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 it's pretty cool. Like very Japanese um, uh, coolness. Um, also, uh, 
NHK uh, is a Japanese kind of ha like a governmental uh, broadcasting station. They do something called a taiga drama. Taiga drama are um, these, um, uh, uh, um, what do you call those, um, historical kind of um, drama series where so you'd see all these samurais and warlords and um, all the drama that happens there so um, that, I, don't, I think you can find it online or something but um, those are pretty cool because it's very uniquely um, Japanese as well is it, is it kind of you make it sound kind of like soap opera like uh, yeah but it's more um, it's more there's a lot of political stuff in it so you can okay. see how, how the warlords kind of interact and their strategy and you know the um uh, yeah, that kind of drama as well. Oh, cool. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was going to ask about, are you a fan of anime? I, I, I watch anime. Not so much. I'm not that familiar with it. Cool. I feel like we'd be remiss in asking, not asking about it if we we're talking about uh, Japanese cinema <laughs> stuff in general. But. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just going to mention Bleach. Uh, I thought oh, that was yeah? a uh -huh. fun movie that's not yes. anime, but adapted from manga also, right? And yeah. Yes. The very anime style. Yeah, that has a global audience as well. Yeah. And, and One so Piece. Well yeah, One Piece, one Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. And, and Netflix is also, uh, they are coming out with a live action uh, Cowboy Bebop. I think that's coming out like thanks oh, yeah. to the thing. With John Cho in the lead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That actually, you know, I, I think I've seen, wow, I might have seen like the original movie like way back when. So I barely remember it, but uh, just watch. They, I think they've already put out a couple of trailers and it looks like it's a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to watching that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Cool stuff. All right. Uh, anything that you want to throw out there for our listeners, you know, aspiring producers, people who are interested in Japanese cinema, whatever last bits of thoughts or advice you might have for them? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I just think it's an exciting time, uh, you know, uh, be, because of these, um, you know, platforms um, like Netflix and Amazon, and we see like a diverse, you know, um, these are all they're always looking for new content. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a great time right now for uh, filmmakers. For sure, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Hato. It's been uh, great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, uh, is there a way for people to get in touch with you online? I mean, you do have a social media presence. Sure. Uh, my I, uh, my homepage, uh, kevinsentertainment.com, K-V-I-N-S, entertainment.com. Um, and yeah, I have a, um, I do have an Instagram, Hayato Mitsuishi, um, at Hayato Mitsuishi, H-A-Y-A-T-O-M-I-T-S-U-I-S-H-I. -S Very cool. Awesome. Yes, yeah, so there you go. If you want to reach out, he's there. He's cool. Good person to talk with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and listeners, thank you so much for checking out our show. Please remember to leave a review and let everybody know. Uh, once again, I'm Justin Sloan. You can find my books on Amazon. And I'm Paul Zeisman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, MaximumZ.blog. I'm on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. And I'm also on Instagram at T-E-Z, Pez Screenwriting. So feel free to follow along. I'm pretty good about following back. Like Justin said, he's Justin. I'm Paul. This has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something.